Welcome to the Proteomics in Proximity podcast, where your co-hosts, Dale Yuzuki, Cindy Lawley, and Sarantis Klamidis from Olink Proteomics, talk about the intersection of proteomics with genomics for drug target discovery, the application of proteomics to reveal disease biomarkers, and current trends in using proteomics to unlock biological mechanisms. Here we have your hosts, Dale and Sarantis. Thank you for joining Proteomics and Proximity. I'm your host, Dale Yuzuki, with my co-host... Good morning, I'm Sarantis. Good morning, Katerina. Good morning, Dale. And today we have, our, as a guest with us, Katerina Harnais. Uh, she is currently a product manager with Olink Proteomics. And Katerina, if you can tell us a little bit about your background first. Uh, I've found that you're really interesting in terms of you've been with Olink for many years. Uh, but maybe we start with sort of your education and then take it from there. Yeah, so I started, I moved to Uppsala uh, early 2000 um, and started studying molecular biology uh, actually at the Swedish uh, Agricultural uh, University because I was so into like um, veterinary medicine and, and animals. Uh, but soon, reali soon realized that I was like more into the tiny molecules rather than the actual uh, animal. Uh, and, so, and you grew up in Sweden. And so did you grow up on a farm with animals? No, no? I didn't. I grew up in Stockholm. Uh, oh, okay. City girl. I spent my four first years like in city center of Stockholm. Um, I but, see. But nonetheless, interested in animals. I mean, yeah. uh, Sweden certainly is an agrarian place. And how many of my colleagues at Olink really like horses, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, and of course, yeah, I've don't have much exposure to horse culture. I don't know, Sarantis in Greece, if no, you have many horses. It's not something usual. I mean, there are people that are taking care, but I'm not... Uh, I like horses, but it's really... Uh, really, you have to dedicate a lot of time and, and effort. Yeah, at, at of course. So, <laughs> so, Katerina, then... So, you were at an agriculture university, and you discovered that you were more interested in molecules. So, mm -hmm. then what did you study there? Um, part of what I studied at... Uh, so they had actually this uh, bachelor program in biotechnology. Um, so I started um, studying that. And then, I mean, the agricultural university is very close to Uppsala University, where you have all other education. So they had some nice collaborations. So I did some courses at Uppsala University, some courses at uh, the agricultural university. Um, so, yeah, that gave me my degree in molecular biology um, and then I did a few years in a genetics laboratory uh, as a research engineer. Oh, really? What kind of genetics did you work on in that laboratory? <laughs> then I was back to animals uh, so <laughs> we were DNA typing horses. Uh, there you go. <laughs> oh, that's great. Because uh, in Sweden you have to like DNA type your horse to get a passport for them to make sure you have the correct father and mother in the passport. That's so interesting. That and we also um, did some uh, genetic, genetic tests for, for diseases that, that they can have. Mm. And so, the, uh, so you understand then uh, a lot of molecular biology t techniques on the genetic side. Uh, and then, then where did you go? Um, then I did something completely new. So I 
I went to the like newly formed Science for Life laboratory in Sweden. Um, there was um, um, a woman at Uppsala University uh, who was going to start up a core facility for mass spec analysis, the um, proteomics analysis with mass spec. Uh, so yeah, together we started building this core facility for mass spec analysis. Um, so then I was into proteins. <laughs> and how do you see this transition from genes to proteins? <laughs> how do you feel this, this transition actually? Uh, I was really excited because I mean, of course you get some background to like everything when you study, but when you start like really working with it yourself, you start to see completely different pictures of everything. And um, I was so excited about proteins because they're, I mean, that's actually what's going on in your body, right? So you can really, yeah, look at different uh, phenotypes uh, based on the proteins, um, but you can't really do um, on the gene genetic side. So. As far as the Science for Life Laboratory, if I understand correctly, this is a government effort, right, for research. And they set up basically a couple of institutes around the country. Yeah. Um, was the one in Uppsala established at the same time as the one at the uh, Karolinska, is it the KTH in Stockholm? Yeah, so I think um, at least those mass spec facilities were set up around the same time, but they had slightly different angle. Uh, we, since we are so close to the ag agricultural university, we did a lot of uh, studies from from that, uh, the veterinary side of things, and a lot of uh, bacteria, a lot of plants. So um, I would say, yeah, more more those kind of projects rather than, than the bigger human projects. Um, I see. So the bigger human project at KTH, this is with Matthias Ullin, Right? And exactly. The, and Johann Schwenk, yeah. Oh, Johann Schwenk. And this yeah. is the human proteome atlas, right, that they had started around that time? Exactly. And then I see. And then in, in the group up in Uppsala that you were working on was still using proteomics, but looking at, as a part of science for life laboratories, looking at other organisms. Yeah, but we did human projects uh, as well, uh, mainly from Uppsala University. Um, but... I thought the ones that were non-human organisms were, were much more uh, interesting. Cause it wow. Was, so here yeah. it is. You go back to the non-human world, right? The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was mainly, mainly because it was so, there were like all the projects coming in were so different. And like, yeah, you work with bacteria and then you were working with horses and then you were working with a plant. And then, yeah. So you went from genotyping horses to look at parentage and lineage to looking at horses from their mass spec proteomes. Is that yeah. correct? <laughs> then being an expert in, in mass spec, actually, for sure you have seen some limitations. And then how do you see this transition with O-Link technology? How do, you, do you, how you do you see this transition from mass spec to O-Link? What, what is your experience on that, being like a mass spec uh, expert? I mean... Uh... <laughs> The main reason for me quitting my mass spec career was because I was so sick of all the maintenance that you have to do with a mass spectrometer. Uh, I can't like count the hours I was sitting there in front of that huge machine with this liquid chromatography system 
trying to get this column in the exact correct position, get the pressure at the exact correct level to not get any leakage. And then after two hours, you were like, yes, I finally nailed it. And you walk up to the office. And then one hour you go, later, you go down just to check that everything is fine. And then it's a leakage and you have to start it over. <laughs> There it is. Uh, it's like a part-time plumber, right? You yeah. have to make sure the plumbing is correct. Now, you know, that's the first time I've ever heard of that, right? But then this is the first time we get to that level of detail where somebody is routinely doing this. I mean, I don't have a uh, mass spec experience, direct experience, but here we're talking to somebody. You did this, you were at uh, Uppsala there at the Science for Life Laboratories for a couple of years. Is that correct? Yeah, I was there for three years. Approximately. Yeah, 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 and and then um, you, it was that at that point you joined Olink. Yeah, I mean, I was at Uppsala University. I heard about Ulf Landegren all the time in in different constellations. Um, looked up Olink, found out that the company is just across the street from where I'm working. This company wow. seems super cool. Um, and then um, I was looking for. Uh, a job that was not like in the lab because I've been, I felt that I've been in lab for so many years. I wanted to try something else. And then there was this position for um, a technical support position uh, at Olink. Oh, how cool. And this was so very early in Olink's sort of commercial history. What year was that? Uh, that was 2016. 2016. Yeah. So this is at the very beginning. Exactly. And so were you you were one of the first technical support people? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I basically was the technical support at the time. Wow. <laughs> so we had one technical That's support. Cool. We had one data scientist. So. <laughs> I think data yes. support role is a great role because I think all of us who have passed of this thing because you learn the good and the bad things of your product, the good bad things from your customer. Do you have some anecdote from a customer at this, at this time that you can share with us just to, to hear how people, they start interpreting? No, no names. How... Yeah, no names. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Thank you, Dale. Oh, uh, no, I mean, we have so many great stories from, from, from these early days, but I mean, I remember one um, customer from, I think she was in, uh, on Ireland, um, it was a really small project and it wasn't like cell isolates, nothing that we like promote that we were doing at the time. And but anyway, they, they came back to us and said that like we've run your your technology now or we got the results from analysis service, we find nice um separation of our groups, but then we wanted to validate this with another technology. And so they had validated or tried to validate <laughs> the results using an ELISA and uh, the results were like all over the place. <laughs> so they were That's like, oh, it is crap. We don't trust you. Uh, <laughs> your technology sucks. They were like super. <laughs> super upset. No, super I, I know upset. what that's like. Well, because there's so much investment, right? Exactly. exactly. It was fee for service then, right? They sent samples from Ireland exactly. to Sweden. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of work went into it. Understood. Mm -hmm. So we tried like to solve it, but then like in the end it just we just gave up and we bought those ELISA kits that, that they had used. We, we brought them in-house to R&D and since we had their samples at analysis service we used their samples and some additional uh, samples that we had we 
ran recombinant antigens in buffer. Um, we made a pretty big experiment out of this. Um, and what we found out in our experiment was that the ELISA kits were actually, or one of the ELISA kits was actually not uh, measuring what mm. it said it should be measuring. Mm. So. Um, oh, that's <laughs> great. That's great. So here it is. You actually had the exact antigen, and, and this was when we had, what, just uh, like a single 96plex panel? Or. Was that what um, the we had, I think we had around five of them at the time, but it was okay. Um, okay, it was so there were nine. Uh, there, the customer was running what several target ninety six panels. They were interested in one particular protein, <laughs> right? They find something interesting. They're looking at Eliza. Nothing's matching up. So you're looking at one protein out of several hundred, mm-hmm. but you went ahead and. <laughs> tried to reproduce the customer's problem and then you find out that their orthogonal validation method was incorrect. Yes. <laughs> so what did the customer say after that? Um, I mean, I think they were actually a bit, still, still a bit grumpy. They were a bit disappointed, I think, that, that it wasn't the way they thought it was. But... Um, they, it generated some additional O-Link studies from, from that specific place um, wow. later on. That's great. So. That's great. That's a nice story. <laughs> yeah, that is a great resolution, right? Where yeah. actually, you know, there, there was a problem with the other method. Yeah. And w- were there other situations, right, where uh, there were just things that were mystifying to, to O-Link but then resolved? Yeah, we've had, I mean, I have two other stories in mind. One is um, yeah. where we ran uh, like our first huge, big study. So 1,000 samples, that was like enormous for us at the time. Sure. Right? It was this important uh, KOL from, from the UK. We were like, oh, right. So we finally get, get to run a project for this important customer. And we really want to give them like the best results ever. Uh, for clarity, KOL means key opinion leader. So we're talking yeah. about a prominent <laughs> scientist, right, who's senior author on papers, etc. So go right exactly. ahead. Um, so they sent us these thousand samples. We used, um, I think, our target 96 inflammation panel, sent back the data. We were like, okay, so this is going to be great. Right? Finally, they're going to see how great our technology is. Um, so what they did, um, they had some previous ELISA data on this sample set, and they had run um, IL-6. And then a the couple of weeks later, they came back to us saying that we have no correlation for IL-6. And we were like, even at the time, we were like, but we know that IL-6 is working. We have done correlations. We know it's working. So we were, me and the, the data science um, person at the time, we were doing some really thorough troubleshooting, trying to understand, like, have they mixed up their samples in any way um, or the sample manifest? So we tried so many different um, combinations and we used, like, algorithms to try to, like, find uh, matching uh, data points with patients. And we were doing this for so long, uh, but, yeah, we were just... The only explanation we, we would have is that they have done a mix-up somewhere, um, and then, but yeah, we, we didn't manage to solve it at the time, but then uh, one or two years later, one of the uh, PIs and, that sent those samples contacted us and were like, actually, 
we sent you the, the wrong sample manifest, or the oh. biobank had, had sent you the, the oh. wrong sample manifest. Oh. <laughs> so once that was solved, the correlation looked perfect again. Uh, <laughs> That's great. That's nice. It only took one or two years. It only took yeah. one or two years. But it's good yeah, that they exactly. figured out. But it's good that they figured out. But they figured it out, right? Yeah. That it wasn't the IL six signal, mm -hmm. and they're able to use that data. Wow! And you said you had two. Uh, you had two more stories. So what was, what was the last one? Yeah, I have another one, which was uh, from the same region in the world. Actually, they <laughs> seem to be pretty grumpy over there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, That's really funny. <laughs> No, no like, joking. We won't be jo making a joke on that. It's fine. <laughs> just correlation. You know, just a correlation. <laughs> and this is just anecdotal. It just happened to happen. But anyway. <laughs> and this was like one or two years later. Um, and we had a customer um, who we had also like convinced to write, can you please try out Olink? We think it would be great for you to try it out. Um so they put together some samples. They were working on this uh, rare disease, so they, they didn't have that many samples. But anyway, they sent it to us, and, and we ran it, and we sent uh, the results back. And they came back, and they were uh, so upset again because they didn't have correlation um, this time around. I think it was um, for MSD and Olink. Um, uh, for our audience, to be clear, MSD stands for Mesoscale um, Discovery. So mesoscale discovery is another multiplex uh, sort of protein analysis platform. So they had data from a different sort of orthogonal technology. So go right ahead. Yeah. Um, right. So we were again investigating. Have we done anything wrong in the lab? What's going on here? And then we had um, a couple of meetings where we tried to like ask them, so did you actually run the exact same samples using the both technologies? Did you run the same sample matrix? Um, and first time around, um, they said, yeah, we ran the same sample matrix. We were like, oh, okay. So we did some further investigations, couldn't really understand what's going on. So we scheduled another meeting. And then I, I really asked, I was like, so you, what samples did you send to MSD? Was it serum or was it plasma? And I was like, it was serum. I was like, oh, okay. But the, what you sent to Olink was plasma, right? And he was like, yeah. But they say it doesn't matter. I was like, no, it doesn't matter if he's like for the technology, but like when you look at correlations, there's different matrices. So, and he was like, oh, yeah. oh, okay, right. So after that meeting, he like became our best friend and our best advocate. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, you, you turn the negative into the positive. Yeah. And I mean, that is remarkable. And so what, about a year, year and a half ago, you made a transition from technical support, right? You became a director mm -hmm. of technical support, growing the team. Oh, by the way, how you went, started from this first technical support person. And when you moved uh, positions within Olink, how large was the technical support group? Uh, so my group was around uh, 10 people at the time. Um, but so like when I started tech support, I was doing tech support and field application scientist wow. role in the same role. And yes. then like, I think in 2020, we split those roles so that I was doing only tech support and we had other people taking over the FES responsibilities. So we had 
I mean, the tech support group was about 10 people, but then we had the FAS team that were, I guess, around 20 people at the time. So, Wow. So you went from a technical support field application scientist role as one person to now 30 yes. people. <laughs> that is so cool. And then you were involved then in the hiring of all these 30 people. Is that correct? Because you had some Yeah, not all of them. I mean, I okay, hired a couple of them and then they yeah. kept on hiring new people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Illustrating the growth, right? Yeah. That but is great. It's been great. a great experience. I mean, I've trained many of our labs that are still running Olink. That's so. great. I've been, yeah. That's nice. Katerina, you mentioned about 96 and uh, Target, and I'm guessing that this is part of our, uh, let's say, Midplex, and this is uh, this Midplex product. Would you like to give a little bit of overview what we're having now in our portfolio, like for Midplex? Yeah, so for Midplex, we have like our working horses that, like, the, the Target 96 panels, they've been around forever, it seems, but so we have 15 of them. Um, um, where we have 14 human and, and one for mouse. And then we have um, a lowered plex panel, the Target 48 cytokine, um, which is an, um, gives data in absquant, so in picogram per mil. And where this panel, we have like, put a lot of effort in like pulling in the right proteins um, to, to this panel. And it's been really appreciated on the field because people really the goal that we had was like get the, the best targets into this panel and what we hear from customers is that you've actually managed to, to put them in the same panel so if I run other technologies I have to run multiple kits or multiple panels from them but do you have them in, in the same panel um, that's great and now your current role is product manager for two other products yes right so now we're getting to the heart of sort of your day to day. Exactly. So yeah. So now, uh, actually, starting from from this year, I'm product manager for Flex and Focus. Whereas last year, I had the whole Midplex um, portfolio. But since we have now launched Flex, um, I'm going to focus on these two two products, which Flex belong and to our more customized offering. Sure. So if you can first talk about Focus, because a lot of people may not be aware of Olink Focus. Yeah, Focus is our like real premium um, product. So we, this is a product that we developed like from scratch for our customers. So like from having the antibody and the oligo and putting them to, together uh, to, to produce the probe. Um, and... Um, yeah, let's say we, we work really closely with our customers for whom we develop these panels. Um, we have, you can select different levels of validation. Uh, so you can have the basic validation offering, but then we have several other layers that you can put on uh, to, to really tailor it to the needs that you have. Um, and you can um, select assays from our whole 3K library and wow. pull them into your smaller 21plex um, panel. And we can also like build a panel for if you're interested in CSF or urine or like supernatants. So, yeah, we can tailor make this panel for you. Meaning you're actually adjusting the panel for the type of sample the customer plans to run. So if they wanted yep. just to analyze urine, that focus panel of 21 out of 3,000 
I mean, what's remarkable, right? We have 3,000 antigen assay pairs, right? And then you yeah. then shrink it down to a 21-panel, and not just for any sample type, but you're saying, okay, customer wants to test or routinely examine urine, and mm -hmm. so you optimize it for urine. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Just like that. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. And what then can you tell me then uh, about Olink Flex? This is our newest offering, right? Yeah, uh, as our newest offering. So this is uh, somewhere in between our like fixed panels and the focus panel. Um, so what we've done for Flex is that we wanted to offer uh, a quick way for customers to like pick and choose uh, proteins that they're interested in um, and get them in a kit uh, like within weeks instead of this long validation development work that we have with Focus. Um, so what we've done for Flex is that we have um, built a library of approximately 200 proteins uh, with high um, inflammation uh, content, basically. Um, the way it works is that we have pre-validated all of these um, assays in-house using like the same level of validation as we have for our fixed panels. And then we have, yeah, to like <laughs> give a picture of it, we have like, we have 200 tubes on the shelf uh, at Olink. Um, and then um, our customer says, well, I want these uh, 21 assays. Then we pull these 21 tubes, pull them into another tube and send it to the customer. That's great. Uh, Is it already available, Katerina, this uh, yes. product? Perfect. Yes. And where can I see the list of 200 proteins? So uh, you can, of course, go to allink.com slash flex. Okay. Um, where you will find the list of proteins and all the validation data and the validation data package uh, describing exactly um, how we have validated the product. But what we have also developed for this product, which is, uh, I think, like super cool uh, and, and very unique, is that we have this panel builder design, uh, panel design builder uh, within our uh, digital platform, Olink Insight. So you as a customer can log into Olink Insight, go to the Flex section, um, and there you will have your own like workstation um, for building customized panels. Um, so two things, right? Olink Insight can be found at insight.olink.com. And I think the other observation is you've used cool now twice in this conversation. First, when you joined Olink in 2016 <laughs> or whatever, right? <laughs> a really cool company. So is Olink still a really cool kind of company? I mean, you it described... <laughs> right. <laughs> things are happening all the time. New things are happening. We're like really on the front line of things. It's exciting. And yeah, this, leading edge, um, right? Yeah, it is what, like this panel designer and insight. We have competitors, right, that have similar products. Um, I went to one of those panel designers just to have a look at what it looks like, and I was just so confused. They were like, you had to choose species, you had to choose the number of plates, and then I was like, so am I going to decide which plate to put which assay on, and how many can I put on each plate, and where should I put them? 
if I click this, then that disappears. But I want that. I want that protein, but it disappears if I click on this protein. What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> and, and so we call it combinability, right? In terms of the yeah. percentage of proteins that you can get. And what you're saying is with other technologies, they just don't play nicely together. Is that right? No, exactly. Um, but Olink well, uh, Insight is a great tool. I think, I, I, I mean, I, I play with, with it with myself and I really find it really easy to do it and very straightforward. And I think people, they will really enjoy and love it to start customize their, their projects in a way, right? And uh, be, be the PI of their projects. <laughs> that, that's really great. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. So while alternative platform, I mean, namely, it's like what Luminex can do, maybe like 200 proteins that you can choose from, but really you can't combine anything. Is that right? <laughs> of course you can combine, uh, but to a much lower degree um, than for Flex. So we have a 99% combinability of our library, which means that you can basically freely mix and match um, what, what we have in the library. Um, we made an like estimate of competitors, and they are um, at about eighty percent combinability. Yeah, lots of limitation. If you keep iterating eighty percent, eighty percent, eighty percent, pretty soon you just get stuck, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, this and is great. Yeah, we we don't. Yeah, their their problem is that they have these um, matrix effects, um, which we circumvent with our technology. So. Yeah. And you mentioned absolute quantitation. Is that what people get with Flex as well? They can get picogram? Yeah, yeah they get picogram per mil. Um, but you can also export the NPX values, um, which I think is really beautiful because then you can like integrate your data from your Flex project with the other um, Olink products. And for those that may not be familiar with Olink data, NPX is normalized protein expression. It's a log two sort of relative numerical scale is sort of sort of what that data refers to. So we have a relative quantitation via NPX values, as well as absolute for the Olink Flex. Uh, Katerina, any final uh, things you want to say about Olink or Olink Flex? Um, Olink Flex. Yes, I want to say that one. Uh, great thing with Flex is also that we do um, a, a quality control of each produced Flex kit, um, which is pretty unique on the market, actually. So many other companies that offer these customized products, they just pull them together and ship it to the customer, whereas we actually put together the kit, we run it in-house at Olink to make sure that it's working as it should, that we get out the data that we should get out from it uh, before we ship it to the customer. And what does this QC sheet look like? Meaning it'll actually give you sort of, we put in this amount and this is what we measured kind of thing? Uh, so what you will get as a customer is that with each kit or each order, you will get a certificate of analysis. Um, that a states like, wow. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's uh, it states like all the reagents in the kits, um, it shows you the... Uh, um, LLOQ and uplink uh, quantification for each protein in your panel and it also gives you um, like a statement that this has been quality controlled according to, to Olink's um, guidance and, and so on. So That's great. Well, thank you for sharing these things with us uh, today, Kurt and Katarina. Much, Katarina. It's great to meet you. 
Thank you again. Great. Great to meet it you was too. great Thank to talk you. to you. Have a nice <laughs> right, day. Bye -bye. Have a nice day and safe travels, everybody. Hello. Thank you for listening to the Proteomics in Proximity podcast, brought to you by Olink Proteomics. To contact the hosts or for further information, simply email info at olink.com.